And um, I trust that you've already booked your hotel room if you're already going to be staying at the hotel. If you don't stay at the hotel, it's okay. It's a free event. You just come and show up, and we'll be glad to have you and introduce you. Program starts at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. We break for dinner, um, come back to finish up the second half of the program at 7.45. We're done by 8.30 on Friday in the evening. Pardon me? Uh, The Hampton Inn by Hilton in Stowe is the hotel. Uh, Off of Steele's Corners Road, Uh, everybody who's been familiar with the venue, they know where to find you. You can see it from the highway off of Route 8. Uh, And we resume the program at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, and we're out by 12, between 12, 1230, uh, after all of the festivities have taken place. Look forward to seeing you. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have an enjoyable discussion uh, on the different names of God and their application uh, to you. Um, Because there are so many different names that we have that we'll be looking at, you might find yourself connecting with one or two that are relevant to you or your own personality. So we'll talk about that and see how that helps you in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So let's go ahead and get started and finish up Lesson 10 and then go to Lesson 11, shall we? And we have items to pray about, and so we'll do that now and also pray over the food uh, that everyone's partaking in, and we just thank you for being here this morning. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to sit quietly and listen to your Spirit speak to us. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for being here with us. And we pray that you just bless this food that we are partaking upon right now as well, too. And Lord, we just thank you for helping us to remember Phyllis. We lift her up to you now for healing and comfort at this time. Um, We thank you for just looking after her and keeping her um, focused on who you are right now. We also pray for Kevin Zimmer, and we pray for him right now that you will just heal his hand, his wrist, allow him to be able to get back to doing what he does very well, um, and that's to make a way for his family as well, too, provide for his family uh, through that very effort of drawing and just lifting you up, Lord, and glorifying you in what he does. We thank you, Lord, for these things. We pray that you just bless this time now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Finishing up Lesson 10. And we wanted to go back and just finish up. We're really at the bottom of page 3. If you have it, that's fine. If you don't, I'm just going to go back to where we were talking about um, the name Lord. And we're going to get past where it says the um, area where it says about how God describes his name. Um, Right in the middle of page 3, down at the bottom, where we looked about how God revealed his name to uh, uh, Moses in Exodus 3.14, where he mentions and declares, I am who I am. And that's something we're going to actually talk about this coming Friday. That's part of our introduction to the lesson on Friday about who God declares himself to be. And God, um, we have to give him a name because we don't have any other way to relate to who he is. But he is declaring himself as I am. He is the uncreated creator. He is the one who has always existed. He was never created. He's always been in existence. His very essence of being around at all times. There is a past. There's a present and a future. But as only as we understand time. He's eternal. 
And I remind people that, thankfully, he created us as eternal beings as well, too. Because we can enjoy fellowship with him in heaven when we leave here. And we can enjoy fellowship with him even when there will no longer be the heaven and earth as we understand it in Scripture. We will always have fellowship with him, provided that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's something that's very important for us to understand. When you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a relationship, a permanent relationship with him. The worst thing for us is to not recognize Christ. That's when Jesus speaks about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who saves. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the one who saves. And Jesus is less concerned about you blaspheming his name, but he says, don't blaspheme the name of the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't reject the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that says, this is, you should, we should be doing this right now to accept Christ as Savior. And when you fail to do that, you are denying him, which means you're denying everything about Jesus. And then you have what is called this separation. When you die, you are separated from God. That's the worst thing that can happen. Amen? That's the worst thing that can happen. So let's look at this understanding of his name real quick. We know about the name may have originated from the Semitic root, and that's where the red is, if you have a handout that has red on it. Uh, Semitic root Hawa or Haya, meaning to be or to become. It denotes a present active God. That's very important for us to understand. That's why we have to look at this Jewish language. Well, the Old Testament is based upon the Jewish language, Hebrew. And we need to understand how the Hebrews interpret and speak. Of course, this is God emanating this information to us to, to have be put down before us so we can read and understand it. He is a present, active being. Remember back in the 70s where there used to be a commercial where people were speculating whether or not God was alive or dead? Yeah, there was a, there was a commercial that was about, you know, some people believe God is dead. And the reason why they believed God was dead, anybody remember what was happening in the 60s? A lot of turmoil, a lot of strife. We had Kennedy assassinated, John Kennedy assassinated in 63. We had Martin Luther King assassinated in 1968 and Bobby Kennedy assassinated in 68. And plus all kinds of turmoil, strife, fighting, infighting within the cities, cities being burned down. A lot of people just felt like God was missing. Because of what was happening. And so the prevailing thought in the early 70s was that, well, is God even alive? Is God even present? Would God allow these things to happen? And we learn as we read and study about him, yes, he does allow these things to happen. But he allows things like this to happen to do what? Challenge our faith. Challenges us with our faith. And what he's telling us here with his word is he's saying that he is a present active God. He is not dead. He is certainly alive, especially if we understand the teachings of Jesus and recognizing that Jesus has been always present, is present today. He is on the throne. He's up in heaven with the Lord. He is an active, present God. Out of deep respect for the Lord, 
It came to be considered blasphemous to even utter the name of God. The name was only written and never spoken. This resulted in the original pronunciation being lost. Many scholars believe the most ancient script, YHWH, could also denote breath or life in its simplest reference. See the description of that? Breath or life. Where does all life come from? It comes from God. It comes from Him. We wouldn't be here without it. Without Him saying, okay, you, you can live, you live, you live, you live, you're present. It comes from Him. The word breath or live may have been fused in thought with I am or to be, resulting in a meaning similar to life giver or creator. So there's no speculation in looking at the very basis of the word Yahweh or I am that we're speaking about our Creator, our Lord. Modern scholars have come to transliterate YHWH as Yahweh because we need to some kind of way to pronounce it. That's kind of what we have, which is used in the Holman Christian Center Bible translation. In Deuteronomy 30.20, Yahweh declares, He is your life. Now let's go to Acts 17.28 real quick, please. Acts 17.28. I'm kind of glad we're doing this part here now because this is a primer for this coming Friday and Saturday just to get you thinking about who God is, and not just thinking about who God is, but who God is in relationship to who you are. That's the most important thing. I can speak about who God is and just give you all kinds of words and maybe in some of it, maybe even gibberish to you, frankly. But ultimately it comes down to what you believe and who you believe God is in your life. Because how he is in your life may not be the same as how he is in my life. I can talk about me all day long. You know, Mrs. Gaines can talk about who God is in her life as well, too. But ultimately, it comes down to what you believe and what you understand. And that's why we're going to have this conversation about what these names really mean. Acts 17, 28. Now, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Version. For in him we live and move and have our being... As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So how does Paul describe the ever-present God in Acts 17:28? In him we live, move, and have our being. You wouldn't live, move, or have your being without him. That's a pretty safe statement. We know that the days that we live are not promised to us. We know that we have a beginning and an end, and that is controlled by none other than God himself. You won't live one day longer than what he proposes. We know that you can pray about longevity, but ultimately it comes down to him being the provider of life and breath. 
the arrogance of man is such that they believe they can exist and God has nothing to do with it. That's the arrogance of man. And that might seem to be very, very absurd, but you have to understand that Satan wants to carry most of us into the realm of absurdity when it comes to understanding about God. He wants to keep the blinders on so that you do not seek the Lord. He would much rather have you seeking after the world's ways in which to live. Amen? The more we look to God, the more we understand that, A, we wouldn't be here without him, and B, he is the sustainer of life. He sustains your life. God bless Laura. She's still here. Amen? I'm not putting her on full blast. Everybody knows that Laura's will proclaim, every time you ask her, she'll say, bless, highly favored, and dearly loved, right? That's, that's exactly, I got that memorized. <laughs> uh, but, but she understands where her life comes from and where she is in that life with the Lord. That's the challenge for us. We know where it comes from for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But now what are you doing with this life that he gives to you? The most important thing for us to understand is that he's giving us this life because you have a reason and a purpose for living. As long as you're here, you are fulfilling God's purpose and plan. You are living I'm trusting you're living according to his will in fulfilling that purpose. All of us have a purpose. In him we have life, we live, we move, and we have our being. Yahweh is life. He is, I am. He is as present as the air you breathe. Remember the discussion we had? He's like air. He's everywhere. He is as near as the very air that surrounds you, only nearer. He is there even though you can't see or feel him. He is essential to your life. He is your life. He is I am. A piece of insight from George MacDonald. Let a man think and care ever so little about God. He does not therefore exist without God. God is here with him, upholding, warming, delighting, teaching him, making life a good thing to him. God gives him himself, though he knows it not. Now that's pretty deep, wasn't it? You might have to read that again on your own, on your own time, but it's a very deep discussion of deep meaning about who you really are. You know, to paraphrase all of this is that we need to understand that we will not exist without him, and therefore you have a purpose. Because, first of all, God doesn't do anything just to shoot the breeze. Everything that God has done has a purpose. God allows things to happen in our life for a purpose. So with all the turmoil that was taking place back in the 60s and early 70s, guess what? God allowed those things to happen for a purpose. 
Oh, that's for his purpose. Oh, that's right. Abortion. 1971. Supreme Court. That's another thing. That's why a lot of people were really having a hard time back then. Just go back and look at the history. Look at your own life history. Amen? Need I say more? Just look at your own life history. But yet God was still in all of those things that were occurring. He was giving you an opportunity to recognize that, yes, he is still ever present. The reality is that we live in a fallen world. And we're challenged to do greater things, even in a fallen world, by having faith and trusting him. And that includes making sure that you allow him to teach you. Because we all have stuff to learn, amen? Have we stopped learning from him? We haven't stopped, and we're not going to stop. We stopped, and we're no longer here. Any questions about Lesson 10? Because we're now going to pivot into Lesson 11, and just as a reminder, since we just got done talking about I am, I hope to see you on Friday and Saturday. Amen? We're going to have a good time with that as well, too. All right, Lesson 11. I believe Mrs. Gaines is handed out, or they are being handed out right now. So we're handing out Lesson 11 for you so we can get started with that. And Lesson 11 is just as important because now we're going to be talking about specifically how we respond to God sometimes when we ain't doing what we should be. And these are some very important things for us to see here too. So Lesson 11 is titled Hide and Seek. (laughs) Everybody got a copy of Lesson 11? We're getting there, right? Here's something that's important. It just kind of came off the top of my head. How many of you prayed this morning? Now, I say this because it's very important for you to have the proper mindset each day when you get up. Now, if you didn't pray this morning, okay, I got that, I understand it, because we have to understand that you have to make sure that prayer is a priority. Make sure that you're prioritizing your prayer this mo- in the morning. Why? Well, you wake up, you're thankful that God gave you another day, amen? That's part of what I'm getting at. Giving you another day to live and live for Him. That's nothing to take for granted. Nothing to take for granted. You know as well as I do, there are folks that are younger than you who are no longer here for different reasons, different situations, whatever it is. So understand that prayer in the morning is important, and not just for that, but also for setting the right tone for the day. The tone for the day is that, Lord... Help me to hide my, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because we need to have a prayer like that pretty much all the time. Because ultimately, we sin. And we need to be ready when we sin and we recognize that sin to ask for forgiveness. 
And I say all of that to set the stage for this lesson. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Starting at the top, and I again, uh, kudos to Jennifer Rothschild with her study on missing pieces because um, this was a ladies' study that, you know, the ladies would have hijacked this study and men would never know about it unless uh, Mrs. Gaines offered it for me to look at it. And uh, God bless her for doing that because this is a great lesson for everybody. Doggone it. Men and women. Thank you, Mrs. Gaines. <laughs> putting, that, putting that before us. Okay. So let's look what it says. The part that says J.R. Is, is her writing. The part that's M.G. is when I add a little interjection here and there. All right. So when I was a girl, we had a white toy poodle named Cannoli. I don't know why her former family named her after an Italian pastry. Whoever named her, we adopted her, but must have thought she reminded them of that yummy filling. Cannoli was a puffy, fluffy, white ball of white fur. She was adorable, but she didn't look like a traditional poodle. So one day, my mom decided to restore dignity to her breed and groom her to look like the refined gal she was meant to be. You know where this is going, right? So if you're a fluffy white ball of a poodle, I used to have a toy poodle when I was young too, and, and they, they, their hair would grow, and they would just turn into this puff ball uh, if you just let it go untamed. So after cannoli shaving, cutting, and pampering, mom called us kids to see how pretty she looked. The door opened, we squealed, the dog darted past us and buried her head under the couch. Her well-groomed behind and her cotton ball tail shivered as they stuck out. We pled, but she wouldn't pull her head out. She's hiding, Mom explained. She embar- she's embarrassed, and she thinks because she can't see you, you can't see her. Poor puppy. She liked her fur coat and not her sleek shave. Cannoli's logic makes me laugh until I think about how similar mine is to hers. If I can't see God... I wonder if he can see me. But is that the line of thinking, is that line of thinking remotely true? It's foolish. It's foolish. It is foolish. A quick reminder as we move forward here. This is me interjecting. When I read this, the first thing I thought about, literally, was that God is also referred to, this is a name, right? A name of God as El Roy. El Roy. Now, you could memorize this name. Anybody who watched the Jetsons back in the 60s, remember El Roy, right? El Roy from the Jetsons? Well, that way you, now you've just memorized the Hebrew name of God. Just say El Roy. The God who sees me. That is a name that has been given to God. Again, that's a name that was given to him as a way of relating to him and understanding who he is. You understand, a lot of the names we'll be looking at in the study are names that God did not declare for himself, but they are names that are given, according to Scripture, based upon the experiences of the individual. And it's recorded. And it's an accurate name because we're talking about a God who sees you. He sees everything. Okay. And where does that come from? Genesis 16, 
verses 13 and 14. It's on the handout. You can read it from there. Now, look at the two different versions. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. And, now, and both of these versions are by the same company. Holman Christian Standard Bible and the Christian Standard Bible. Christian Standard Bible is a newer version of the Holman version. It says, verse 13, So she, being Hagar, called the Lord who spoke to her, the God who sees. For she said, in this place I have actually seen the one who sees me. That is why she named the spring a well of the living one who sees me. It is located between Kadesh and Bered. And look at the second version, the newer version. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, You are El Roy. For she said, In this place I have actually seen the one who sees me. That is why the well is called Bir Lahai Roy. It is between Kadesh and Bered. You see the... There is a slight nuance there, but you're basically saying the same thing in Scripture. The one who sees, El Roy. Let's look at three things today that make us feel God isn't there or can't see us. These are three words that start with S, but all of them apply to all of us for different reasons. Number one, shame. Shame. Below, circle the four action words the psalmist uses to ask God to remain with him. Then underline the same words in the next paragraph, my commentary on Genesis 3.8. So look what it says. I have it in larger print so you can actually circle it. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. That's from Psalm 27.9. So what four action words are being used to ask God to remain with him in that passage? Anyone? Hide. Do not hide. Do not turn. Don't leave or abandon me. Those are it. It wasn't that hard. It was, those are action words that are being used to describe what the psalmist is asking God not to do. Go ahead. Action phrases. Yeah, that might be. That's probably true. Action phrases. Well, that's, well, do not hide. Do not abandon. Do not. Yeah, Exactly. That's why everybody stopped and was staring at me. Okay, well, yeah. Well, that's, that's normal anyway. So, you know, people just usually stop and stare at me. It's like, what is going on with him? Okay. All right, so we got that clarified now. Okay, but you understand, do not hide. Do not turn. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Now, understand, look what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is already projecting that God is angry. How do you feel when you think God is angry with you? About this big? I can't keep giving visuals of the Flintstones and stuff like that because no one's going to understand any of the stuff that I would say. So I have to leave that. That's just, it's not going to work. That won't work at all. Any, any of you ever watched cartoons? You know, some of that stuff stays in your head. And I'm 59 years old. So I'm not ashamed to say it, but 
you know, there's an example where um, Wilma and Betty were supposedly dancing. Um, they were doing something, and I guess they were taking Fred and Barney out for dinner, and they were at this nice dinner and all that, and I guess what happened was they, <laughs> Wilma, just to summarize real quick, Wilma and Betty got up and did a, did a big dance in front of everybody in this entire uh, uh, dining hall, and basically you saw Fred and Barney shrink below the table and they were sitting in these little chairs like this because they were made to feel that small. And that's all you, that's, that was the end of the program, basically. <laughs> but sometime, pardon me? Oh, sure it was. Yeah, it was before your time, all right. Yeah. When we feel God's shame, we can feel that small. Because it's like the worst thing that you can imagine. Adam and Eve hid from God due to their shame. They turned away from his companionship. They rejected his command. They forsook their relationship with God to attain independent thinking. Now... The same words appear in that passage below. Hid, hid from God, turned away, rejected his command, forsook their relationship. You see what sin does? And, pardon me? It separates. You feel shame... And they felt shame because of what occurred when they realized that they had sinned. And understand something, it was instantaneous. Instantaneous. The moment they ate the apple, ate the fruit, ate the fruit, excuse me, not the apple, ate the fruit. I know, we always... People generalize everything like, the, you know, Jonah got swallowed by a whale. You know, no, it's a big fish, okay? It's a big fish. We don't know what if it was a whale or not. But ate the fruit. They knew they were in disobedience immediately. So, let's discuss independent thinking for a moment. I left that wide open. I wasn't going to put down words to give you a clue. But basically, independent thinking is what? Thinking that is outside of where God would have you to be. Now, is all independent thinking bad? No. But in the context of this study... We are talking about independent thinking that is what? Outside the will of God, the word of God, those things will get you into trouble. It's dangerous. Now those are words, I'm just adding words you just gave me. It's dangerous. It can be dangerous. Hey, something as simple as driving on an interstate. Now, most interstates have 60 miles an hour, some have 70 miles an hour. There's one interstate in Utah where we were, the speed limit is 80 miles an hour. Because it's just wide open. And it's cool. You can do 80 miles an hour and cover a lot of ground. 
But what about covering it at 85 miles an hour? What about at 90 miles an hour? Now, understand something. You're on your own when you make those choices, aren't you? Because you can drive at a higher speed limit, higher speed than the speed limit, and these speed limits are assigned for a purpose. But you, in your independent thinking, can make the choice to drive faster than that. Well, what are the consequences that can occur when you drive at a higher speed than the speed limit? You tell me. Ticket. Pardon me. You endanger others. What were you saying? Pardon me. Accident. If you go at a high speed, think about this for a moment. If you go at a high speed, let's say you're doing 90 miles an hour in Utah. What if you hit something in the road and blow a tire? Now what happens at 90 miles an hour when you blow a tire? You've got a problem. You've got to understand there's a consequence sometimes that may occur that is not going to be good for you. Now, that's just highway driving and independent thinking. Yes. Well, that too. Now, now that's another. Now, you just added another wrinkle. Drinking. We know there's plenty of that. And I'll, I'll just throw in there, not just drinking, but some people just get high. And it may not have anything to do with being drunk from liquor. And they get behind the wheel of a car. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Yep. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yes, you I can. Start doing things, and then I have to revert back and go, oh, Lord, no, i got to depend upon you. Mm-hmm. But I think we're naturally taught to have that independent mindset, and we have to teach ourselves to rely totally on him. We are taught that. We are taught that because that's the nature of our education. It's tough to live where everyone is making decisions for you. You have to eventually come to the point where you're making decisions for yourself. You know, keep telling that to that 35-year-old who's living with you. Maybe you need to get out of this house <laughs> and get to make a living. These are all examples that we all have and we all can relate to. Amen? Independent living. But I wanted to qualify this independent living in saying, even though we're taught... To live independently, there are still constraints that we should follow, especially when it comes to God's word. Trusting that God has your best interest at heart sometimes is hard for us. He truly does have your best interest at heart. But we don't always want to believe that because we think, well, maybe I can fix this. I can do this. Maybe I can do it. Oh, wait a minute. Either you do or you don't. So shame, getting back to this part of the subject here, 
When God walked in the garden, where were Adam and Eve? Go to Genesis 3.8. Yeah, I'm going to Genesis before he's going to Genesis. Genesis 3.8. Go to Genesis 3.8. Are you proud of me, Brother Beecher? Are you listening? You're not, you're not proud of me? You just Okay. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. Now, before this sin took place, they weren't hiding. Didn't even know what it would be like to hide from him. How are you going to hide from him anyway? He's everywhere. He's always present. And yet, the shame of what they had done caused them to do what? Hide. What? Yeah, we'll get to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because the section down here says, why do they hide according to verse 10? But we'll, we'll read verse 9. That's the second bell. I love it. Well, let's do verses 9 and 10 and then we'll stop here. And we're going to quit. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Now, understand something. God knew where they were. That was not for God's benefit to find. Where are you? I can't find you. No, that's not at all what was going on here. You have to understand... When you have a relationship with the Lord, he is going to speak to you in a way that you are going to be able to understand what's going on. It's not for his benefit. It's for your benefit. And verse 10 says, and he said, I heard you in the garden, but, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, understand something. They hid because they thought they were naked. Before that, it wasn't an issue about being naked. Wasn't an issue. If you don't know you're naked, guess what? You're going to walk around like with nothing on. No big deal. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve were doing. They had no clothes. Well, that's a good place to stop, isn't it? It's going to have to. That's why you're mad at Adam? Mad at Adam, yeah. Are you really? I like to walk around naked. Well, I understand that. Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Paul. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. It's a good time. To, that's it. We're going to cut. We're going to pick up next week. For those of you who are visiting today, boy, you're going to have to come back now because you'll have to see what we, how this goes. I want you to keep in mind that a lot of the things that we're talking about here have to do with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and developing it and continuing to develop it. And boy, I hope to see you on Friday and Saturday, too, at the Hampton Inn. We're going to have a great time. Let's close out in prayer. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to just sit and hear you speak to us. Lord, we thank you for how you teach us continually. And you desire for us to have a closer relationship with you. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that. We thank you now for this time that you've given us. And we pray now that, Lord, you allow us to carry from here the importance of just being thankful to you and praying to you for all that you, in fact, do for us. We're reminded to continue to keep praying for those individuals we prayed for earlier and pray for others who do not have a relationship with you. That is the most important thing. 
that people come to a saving knowledge and understanding of who you are. We ask that you bless now the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.